0: What's up, Big (laughs) Cell? An appropriate answer. Very nice, very nice, very nice. Hey, real quick, I'm gonna apologize uh, to you guys and anyone who's gonna listen uh, to this podcast because my wife got me sick or at least a little chest cold, so you might hear me hawking something or coughing at some point. But uh, everybody say thanks, Cease. Cease. You see how they hesitated? They love you, but way to stay your ground. Real quick, just a couple of announcements. We want to make sure that everyone is aware of in case you weren't here early enough to hear what's coming up. Uh, next week, say next week. next week. We got some really cool stuff planned out. Uh, next Thursday, we're doing something unique, okay. Uh, I'm been calling it in my head Transition Thursday. But um, really what this is, is we've invited our fifth graders that are graduating from Belmont into sixth grade. So these are kids that have been in children's ministry who are graduating and going into sixth grade, and we want them to start getting into Excel as early as possible. So this is like the official day. Now, some of you have snuck in already. You know, I think, like, where's Joey at? Joey's usually my first sneaker in there. Bella snuck in when she was younger. There's a few of you who sneak in early. But uh, let me explain why we want to do this. Uh, Is Judd in here? Where's Judd? Judd? Judd, where you at? Judd, come over here real quick. Okay, let me give you a little background on this one real quick. So for those of you who don't know, this is Judd. Or Jod, or however you want to pronounce his name, because he lied to us for a year about it. Um, but, but here's the funny story with him, okay? So you grew up in this church, right? When you were a kid, you went through children's ministry. I've been here almost 20 years. I have never saw Judd in my life before last year. Now, Judd is Ara's older brother. So one day at the beginning of your senior year, I believe it was, right, we were getting ready for momentum signups, and I look at Evelyn, and I see him walking down the hall wearing one of our Excel sweaters for Speed the Light, and I go to Evelyn, who is that kid? And she's like, that's Ara's brother. She has a brother? Where has he been this whole time? And, and for me, the frustrating part is John grew up in this church, but for whatever reason, never got plugged in after he graduated children's ministry. And it took him four years, right, to get involved in Excel. Now tell me, do you wish you would have got here a little sooner? Yeah, yeah. What Can you, I don't know, I didn't, ask, I didn't set him up for this. Can you tell me why you missed the jump? Like the fellowship, you know. Like Excel feels like a family. And I felt like, like I missed that over my, like the course of my like seven years or eight years. So, like, yeah. All right. Amen. So, thanks, John. That's all I wanted you to do. See, here's the deal. <laughs> John's going through bridge now. John's wanting to get plugged in. And, and I love John. I mean, we, him and I went out uh, last week. Me, him, and a couple other guys went out fishing and hanging out. But here's the thing. He missed the jump, right? He, he, he had an opportunity for whatever reason. He wasn't there for those first four years. I don't want anybody to miss that. And so, what we're going to do is I want you to help me. When those kids come next week, one, they're, they're going to be scared, okay? They're 12, 11 years old. There's all these people here. This is new to them. They're going to freak out a little bit. You need to help me by making sure they feel loved, they feel welcome, they feel included. Now, here's a few things. Don't get too into their face like, hey, best friend, okay, because that gets weird, okay? Don't get too, some people have bubbles, respect bubbles, so don't get too awkward with them. But at the same time, don't just stand in your circle and ignore them, okay? So if, there's, if they're about waist high and you don't know them, introduce yourself, okay? If they seem new, take a moment and say hello. Especially ladies to the ladies, gentlemen to the gentlemen. Make sure that they want to come back the next week. Because we can make them come once, right? But they have to be willing to come the next time. And so this is a great opportunity to get five to ten new kids into our ministry like that. If we do our job and make sure that they feel loved. In addition to that, and this was all planned, we're going to have that transition Thursday go down. And then the next day, say the next day. We got small group kickoff going down. Yeah. (laughs) Now, man, I heard me some rumors. There's some shakeups in these small groups. I heard it's not going to be the same old, same old. There's some people that are determined to make sure their groups win. And I can tell you, uh, this kickoff is intense. We have been planning for a while on some of it. Uh, There are a few things they had to convince me to do, and there are some things that I'm going to just turn around and pretend like that didn't happen because um, it is just nasty. And so I am excited. I will give you one small clue. There is a throwback to spring breakaway happening. And so uh, you may or may not like that. We'll see how that goes down. So remember, next week, Transition Thursday and then small group kickoff the very next day. So we're starting this new series tonight, okay? And I've been excited about this new series. I've been talking with a few people about this series for a while now, and this is one of those series that I'm almost positive at some point later on, we might do a part two to it. Uh, but how many of you uh, did not grow up in church? How many of you are, are not grown up in church? like this is not your normal thing. you came from outside. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, I'm assuming the rest of you grew up in church. There are certain words or phrases that we use in church, that we get but nobody else understands. On top of that, there are certain phrases and words we use... That if someone were to ask us, we don't understand what they really are. And so there's a nice little term we have for that, and we called it Christianese, okay? It's like its own little language, Christianese, which is a communable language within the Christian subculture with words and phrases created, redefined, or patented that applies only to the Christian sphere of influence. That is a very complicated definition, okay? In other words, uh, Christianese are just these commonly used words that either... We think we know, or there's a lot of times where we don't really know how to define it. Anybody ever give you a word, they're like, what does that word mean? And you just say the word back, right? It's like, what does it mean? It means blank. But you just said that. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. There are a lot of Christian words that I think we don't know how to explain. And so today I want to focus on one word in particular. And every week we're going to focus on one word in particular. And some of these may sound familiar, but you may not fully understand what they mean. And so uh, tonight we're going to focus on the word devo. Say devo. Devo is short for what? Devotional. devotional. Something that we've often said, but I'm not sure everyone understands. And so here's what I mean by that. Uh, when we say devo at church, or when we say a devotional life, what we mean is concentrated, purposeful time that you have set apart to be alone with God in prayer and reading your word. Okay? This is purposeful time that you have set apart To get along with God and pray and grow in your relationship as you read his word. Devos is the most fundamental part of your personal walk. I guarantee you that those of you who do not maintain a consistent devotional life, once you leave these ministries, you will not maintain a consistent Christian life. Okay. One of the things we do, I had mentioned that John is going to be joining Bridge. 90% of what Bridge is the first few months is making sure that every one of those people knows how to read their Bible and spend time alone with God in prayer. We focus a good amount of time on that because this is how I believe. I believe if they don't have that, they're missing out on the fundamental aspects of their walk that they can build on. In other words, you lose out on a foundational piece of your walk. If you don't learn to have personal alone time with God, you don't have a relationship with him, you're simply an acquaintance. Okay, think about it like this. Um, In school, uh, so my, my real name is Jose, Jose Antonio Silo Jr. Guzman. That's my real name, okay. But everyone in my family and my close friends called me Joey. So when I was in school, if a person called me Jose, I knew that we weren't close. I knew they only knew my name because that's what the teacher would call me. If they called me Joey, then I knew there was a personal relationship because I had somehow in the process of it told them, just call me Joey. Okay? And there are some of you who you only know God by what other people say. You don't know God personally. You don't know Jesus Christ because you don't have time in a personal relationship with him. And if that's the case, there's no relationship. You're just an acquaintance. You're just someone who you see. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that. But you don't know him one-on-one. This is the key aspect. Not Thursday night, not Sunday morning, not any of the days in the church. It's your daily personal time alone with God that will determine the strength of your relationship. If I could put it in even simpler terms, the person who is your best friend, your closest friend is your best friend because they get the most of your time. They are the closest to you. They are the ones that you love the most because you have given them the most time. That's where intimacy is built, in time. And so if you don't give time to be alone with God, if you don't give time to grow personally in your relationship with God one-on-one, you have no intimacy with him and thus you have no relationship with him. And so I want to walk you through somebody who had a very strong relationship with God and his name is Daniel. Say Daniel. Daniel, Daniel has his own book in the Bible called Daniel. Oh, look at that, funny. So I want you guys to look at Daniel chapter 6. This is a long chapter, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what's going on in this story. And we're going to zoom in on one verse. You can hold that verse for a second. Let me tell the story first, and then you can put it up. So Daniel chapter 6, let me give you background on what's going on on that story, okay? So I mentioned before, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we talked about how at one point the Israelites had been taken over by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came in took over Israel, took over all the people, but they were slick in how they conquered countries, right? They didn't destroy the people, they indoctrinated the people. They put them into their culture, they, they gave them new names, they taught them new things, they made them Babylonians and, and transformed who they were. And so Daniel was one of these young Israelites who was strong and, and intelligent and administrative and gifted and the Babylonians saw that, and so what they did is they split up all the providences, right? They broke it all up into groups, and they put a bunch of different people as administrators over all the various groups. Daniel was so good and stood out so much that the king was getting ready to put Daniel in charge of all the empire. He was like, dude, you're going to be the next right-hand guy. You're going to be overseeing all of it. Now, how many know you're not going to progress in life without haters? You're not going to move up without people trying to tear you down. And so Daniel had some haters. Daniel had a bunch of guys that didn't like the fact that he was so good at his job. And so they decided to plot and figure out ways to, to tear Daniel down. And as they started to dig in, they realized we got nothing on Daniel. Daniel's always on time at work. Daniel's always respectful. Daniel always does his job. Which, by the way, when you walk the walk that God calls you to walk, haters can hate, but they can't hold anything against you when you live righteously. They may not like you. They may not even want to respect you, but they can't say anything about you when you live righteously. And so Daniel lived righteously. They had nothing against him. They couldn't use anything against him. He wasn't stepping out on his wife. He wasn't acting crazy. He wasn't doing wild things. He was getting up, going to work, living in excellence, being everything God called him to be, and that frustrated them. So much so that they decided to plot against him and use the only thing they could use, his faithfulness. Daniel was an unbelievably faithful man of God. And so they decided, let's use that against him. And they convinced the king. They said, hey, king, let's set up a law that for the next 30 days, right, the next 30 days, no one can pray to any God or any person that isn't you. Now, you know, you fluff up somebody, you hype them up, they get all excited. Like, yeah, that sounds like a good law. Yeah, we're going to put it into law. And the law says that once the king places that law, no one can undo it. And so they placed this undoable law in for 30 days knowing what Daniel's going to do. And if you want to check it out for ourselves, this is where we're going to focus in on. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel hears what's happening. He hears about the new law. And listen to what happens. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. They did this as a way to remember where they came from. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. They make a law that says you can no longer have a devotional life. And Daniel's response was, then I better get to my time alone with God. They make a law that say you cannot talk to God. And Daniel goes, I should probably talk to God about this. Okay? Now, this law wasn't like he was going to get a, a $50 ticket. It's not like you know he was going to get 30 days behind bars. The law said that if you broke it, you would be killed, executed. So this is a serious situation going on with Daniel. This is a serious scenario that if he doesn't do what they say, it may cost him his life. Now, the truth is for you and I, there's no such risk. Not where we live, not where we're at. Our biggest <laughs> hurdle when it comes to our devotional time is our lack of desire. There's the fact that you don't really want to. Because if you really wanted to do it, you would do it. I mean, if you really wanted to do something, there are some of you, you're so stubborn, man, if you really wanted it, nobody could stop you. And I want to show you why some of the things about Daniel and his life that showed why he was so faithful and some of the secrets to his faithfulness in his devotional life. If you're taking notes, there's One thing I want you to write down in the beginning, all right? Number one, if you're taking notes, you got to be able to get alone with God. If you notice, the Bible says that Daniel went to his upstairs room. Why his upstairs room? That was a place where he can get alone. That was a place where he can get alone. Now, I know some of you are like, Pastor, I live with 57 people. I cannot get alone in my own house. I'll tell you, some of the best devotional times I had were on the toilet. Some of the best devotional times I had were on my way to school. I'm just chilling at the bus stop, listening to worship music, reading my Bible, walking back and forth praying. There were times where I would get up extra early because I knew I'd have extra time to just walk around and pray. Don't tell me you can't get alone because when you really want to get alone, you do. When you really don't want to be bothered, you're able to do it. Now listen to me. Getting alone is not just a matter of location nowadays. Getting alone means turning off the internet. Getting alone means maybe putting your phone away. know, I was talking to a young believer that I had been discipling yesterday, and I'm asking him, how are you doing with your devotional life? And he goes, great. He goes, you know, I learned to, to not use my phone anymore because the notifications keep popping up and I get distracted. And so I, I stopped using my phone. Getting alone isn't just about people around you physically. It's about people's access to you. You have to understand, I have to take time to get alone with God where the only access to me is through him. Like if you want to get a hold of me, you better pray somewhere else and tell Jesus to tell me. Because that's the only person I'm talking to right now. Getting alone with God is so important that Jesus' life is marked by. When you look at the story of Jesus over and over again, Jesus Christ being God in the flesh still took time to get alone and pray. Listen. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off into a solitary place where he prayed. Now, why very early in the morning? Because nobody else is up. You want to get alone? Figure things out like that. You You got 57 people living in your house? Wake up before everybody. I bet you you'll find some alone time then. If everybody gets up at seven, get up at six. Go into your kitchen, get yourself a cup of coffee, act like an adult, read your Bible, get sparked up, start your day right. Jesus knew hey man, I'm doing all these miracles, people are always following me, people are always trying to talk to me. I got to get up early and get away. And where did he go? To the solitary place. Some of you, you're in a season of loneliness. You're feeling like you got no friends, you're feeling like people don't care about you. Listen, that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's God who makes you lonely. Not so that you can feel lonely, but so that you can get alone with Him. I know there was a couple times, especially when I was a teenager, where I struggled with loneliness. And it was weird because I was surrounded by people, but I felt alone. Some of y'all feeling me on that. I was surrounded by people. But I felt alone. And it wasn't until I realized it was God trying to draw me close to him. It was God showing me, Joey, you can have 100 million friends. But you still need a relationship with me. And sometimes those moments where you're depressed and you feel like nobody loves me, nobody likes me, nobody cares, nobody talks to me. I'm all alone. God's saying, yep, it's just me and you right now. So now we can talk. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Not because I want to hurt you. But because I want you to see those people are great. But nothing compares to my relationship with you. And sometimes God's got to corner you and lock the door in order to get you to be alone with him. Jesus knew, I'm not going to wait for God to do it. I'm going to get up early and get into that secret place, that lonely place. It goes on to say, Mark chapter 6, verse 31 through 32 says, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. That's how popular he was getting. He said to them, meaning his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Listen, there's going to be seasons where you're busy. Where life is crazy. And the thought is, I'm too busy to get alone with God. And God goes, no, 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 no. We got to get away. So that you can get rest and so that you can get alone with me. One of the best parts of having a devotional time, it's not just information, it's transformation. It's that moment of getting in the presence of God and (sighs) catching your breath. You ever had that moment? I don't know about y'all, but for me, uh, I don't like crowds. Maybe it's my bigness and my sweatiness. I don't like to be around a lot of people. And when I'm surrounded with a lot of people, all I want to do sometimes is just get away from them. You ever felt like that? Like you're just surrounded by, oh, come on, I just want to get away. Like you feel like they're crawling up your neck. Like I just want to get away from you guys. Jesus says, listen, it's important for you on a regular basis to get away from the crowd. To get away from social media. To get away from the masses and get alone with your God. This is what he talks about when he means going into the solitary place and then again in Luke chapter 5 verse 16 but Jesus what's the word that used what is it often what does that mean more than once right regularly Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed see you can be lonely and not alone he often withdrew to lonely places So that he can get alone with God. Sometimes you got to go to a lonely place so that you can get alone with God. Sometimes God has to put you in a lonely place so that he can get alone with you. And we're sitting there kicking and screaming, frustrated with God when God's going, no, no, homie, I did this. This ain't the devil. This ain't me. There are times um, with my wife where we'll hang out with a bunch of people. We'll be at church. We'll be going to the activities. We'll be at parties. We'll be hanging out all day. And I'll get home she'll be like, I miss you. I miss you. I've been with you for two days straight. We've been going. Every, I took you everywhere. We've done everything. She said, no, I miss you. I want to be just with you. And just with me can mean sitting there watching a Netflix show. Just with me can mean driving down, just talking with no radio on. There comes a point where she doesn't want to share me. She wants just time with me. She wants to just talk to me. And there are moments where God doesn't want to share you anymore. Doesn't want to share you with everybody else. He just wants you. Some of you, you think because you're all in ministry that somehow God's pleased with you. And God's going, listen, you do my work, but you don't do anything with me. And I want to get alone with you. I want to get to know you. I want to spend, hey, let me pull you away from all your nice service and let me get alone with you again. Devotional time is about getting alone with God. Now the problem is, oftentimes you'll hear people with this same excuse. I just don't have enough. Time. Well, the other thing I think Daniel teaches us, if you're taking notes, number two, is that we need to set time apart just for God. Notice that it says three times a day Daniel prayed. Now, I think Daniel prayed obviously more than three times. I'm sure he prayed all day long. But there were at least three distinct times during the day Where he sat down to get alone with God. Daniel set up three appointments. Three moments that were uninterrupted alone time with God. Now think about this. We do that all the time. We're busy. We got a lot of stuff going on. But when you want to make an effort to be with somebody, you set the time. And as you get older, it gets harder. My wife and I, were trying to juggle our schedule, and people will call us up and say, hey, I want to hang out with you. When are you free? I'll look at my calendar. Man, I got uh, Tuesday two weeks from now free. Are you free during the times 12 and 4? That's how complicated sometimes it gets when you become an adult because you got all these things going. And they'll go, yeah, and I'll put it in my calendar, and then it'll happen. You know, when it doesn't happen, here's, here's a real regular thing you start to hear as you get older. Hey, we should hang out. Yeah, we should. And it never happens. <laughs> Bro, man, I miss you, dude. Y'all, we should get together. Oh, yeah, we should get together. Hey, when are you free? I'm free on Mondays. Dude, I'm free on Mondays. All right, I'm going to hit you up. Okay, hit me up. Never happens. Never happens. It will only happen when you set the time apart. It will only happen when you say, bet, it's in the calendar, I'm ready, you and I, I got you, bro, don't worry about it. Because what happens is when you set it in the calendar, right, when you and I are going to meet at Friday at 1 o'clock, and then during the week somebody hits me up, yo, hey, are you free Friday afternoon, do you want to get up? I'm going to pull out my calendar and go, nope, Friday at 1 o'clock I got an appointment, but I'm free at 3, do you want to hit up at 3? What would happen if Jesus made it to your Google calendars? What would happen if Jesus made it on to your Apple calendar? What would happen if every day you set up on your calendar, 9 a.m., alone time with Jesus, 7 a.m., alone time with Jesus, 1 o'clock, alone time with Jesus, 9.30 at night, alone time with Jesus. And your friend hits you up, yo, we about to get on Fortnite. You getting on this one? Nope, I got an appointment with Jesus, but I can hit you up afterward. What do you mean you got an appointment with Jesus? It's my alone time. That's weird, maybe for you but not when I get it. What would happen if you began to schedule it, and not just schedule it, but keep it? And say, listen, here's what happens. We look at our lives, right? And we're like, okay, I'm going to get along. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to wake up early, and, and I'm going I'm to spend time with Jesus. But then that night, you stay up all night. So you got your alarm. Your alarm goes off. You're like, oh, man, I'm just tired. I'm just going to sleep 30 more minutes. You hit that snooze button 73 times. You finally wake up. You're like, oh, crap, I'm late for school. You go to school. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to do it when I get home, right? You get home. You start eating. You got homework. You start watching your favorite show. You get back online. You're scrolling through Facebook. I'm going to do it right before I go to sleep. You pick it up right before you go to sleep. You knock out, right? Because you ain't never sleepier than when you try to read your Bible at night. If anybody struggles with insomnia, read your Bible. You either knock out quick or you'll grow. One or the other. <laughs> okay. But that's what happens, right? You have to schedule that time and keep it. You have to schedule that time and say nothing's going to get in the way of that. Listen, Psalm 119, verse 10 through 16. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Listen to what he's saying. I have, I have, I have, I praise I have, I will, I will, I will, all declarative statements. Not I might, not I'd like to, I did or I will. He's chasing after God. He is setting time apart. These are all declarative statements. The psalmist is saying, I have done this and I will do this. Because my main desire is to get into your word, to get to know you, to grow closer in my relationship with you, to love you the way you love me, to hide this in my heart. I have and I will. Most of us, we might and we didn't. We got to change it. Because what I found with this generation as you are capable of doing anything that you really want to do. So if you don't do it, remember, that just reminds you, it doesn't really matter to you. Because, man, if you got a party going on on Fortnite and everybody's getting up at the same time, you're on it. Because if you're late for that bus, you're going to hear it from everybody. Right? When you're, when you're hooking up with everybody and you're supposed to meet up at a certain place and we got plans to go see this movie, you're there. You figure it out. What happens when you start doing that in your relationship with God? The psalmist made a decision to make time to be with God. Now here's the deal. Some of us, that's not the issue. Some of us have time and some of us uh, get alone. But what do we do during that time alone? If you're taking notes, number three, Daniel reminds us that it's important to position yourself to receive from God during that time. Position yourself to receive from God. If you notice back in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6, it says that he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks. Now, I'm not saying you have to get on your knees to have a devotional life. But this was representative of humbling himself to receive something from God. You want to be careful that your devotional life doesn't become an informational class. Because some of us read for information, and that's why we never transform. And so we read some, we're like, okay, I'm going to read the story of Daniel's ten, Daniel and the lion, and then he didn't do the law, and then Daniel uh, didn't get eaten by the lion, and praise God. And you're sitting there going, I don't know how that applies to me, because I ain't, I ain't seen a lion. Even when I go to Lincoln Park, you know, that lion look half dead. I don't know what's going on. That lion has nothing on me, okay? That thing is so tranquilized, it will never catch me. <laughs> right? That's when you're reading just for information. But when you take that time to be alone with God and you set that appointment and you get into his presence, you got to get ready and be in position to receive from him. To say, God, I'm about to open up this book and I need you to talk to me, God. Lord, I'm going to spend 20 minutes praying. 20 minutes, that's so long. Trust me, 20 minutes goes like that when you're willing to go after God. Gotta have a list of things I need to pray about. Think about it like this. If all you did every day was pray for four or five of your leaders, that's a half hour every day. Just for your leaders. Not alone the people that are lost in your family, your friends, your needs, your situations, your future. I mean, if you really sat down and started cataloging all the things you need to pray about, you don't have enough time in a day to pray. Let alone pray more than five minutes. It's when you don't know what you're going to pray. It's when you just get alone in your room and you're like... Um, God, I'm standing here. Do your thing. Like you're waiting for electricity to go through your fingertips. Like this is not how it works, okay. You got to get in position to receive what God wants to give you. And sometimes that means, hey, listen, before I get into this word, God, I need to confess some things to you. There's some things in my heart that haven't been right. Lord, I need to talk to you right now about some issues that have been going on. I've been struggling in this area. I did really well for a while, but then I fell back. God, I need to talk to you about that. You know, routine maintenance prevents major overhauls. When you change the oil regularly on your car, you don't have to change the engine. When you start to do this in a regular devotional life, when you catch it quick, you don't allow sin time to build up. Sometimes in the beginning of your devotional life, that's what it means to posture yourself and get prepared. To make sure that you're ready to receive something. Well, I can't, I can't receive something if my left hand if I already have something being held in that hand. Sometimes it's, man, I got to give this up, Lord, to receive what you're trying to give me right now. And so you got to put yourself in position to receive. Listen, Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 43. says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. That's this kind of garden area. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw away. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing... Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, let me pause right there. What's going on in this situation is Jesus realizes he's just about to get captured, beaten, and crucified. This is getting ready to happen. He always knew it was going to happen, but just because he knew it was going to happen didn't mean he was wanting it to happen completely. There's still that human aspect of him that knew, wow, this is really going to hurt. This is going to be very, very disturbingly painful. And God, if you're willing, would you be Willing to take this cup away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Like I said earlier, if you read for information but not transformation, you will never grow. Sometimes in that moment of your devotional time, God may speak to you things in your devotional time that you don't want to hear. But that's why you got to be willing to receive. Receive whatever he has for you. So you might get into that devotional time, and here's a lot of reasons why we don't do it. You might read something, and the Holy Spirit might speak through you, and it might correct you, right? You might be reading something. Maybe there's a verse that says you need to forgive people, and the Holy Spirit begins to bring up, hey, you haven't forgiven such and such. And you're sitting there like, well, I don't want to forgive them. And now God's like, but you got to forgive them. And you're like, God, I don't want to forgive them. And now you're into this back and forth battle with the Lord. And some of us are like, I don't want to deal with that. When you're willing to receive, just like Jesus, listen, I don't want to have to go through this, but your will, not mine. I don't want to forgive them. I'm still mad at them. I'm still angry with them. But, God, I desire your will above my own. So if that's what you want from me, Lord, give me the strength to do it. Father, help me to understand. Some of you might receive directions that you don't want. Some of you are like, man, I'm called, I'm called to be, you know, a, a missionary and God's called me to the Middle East to, to help Muslims. And in your time of devotion, the Lord continues to speak and says, um, yeah, I want you to actually reach the, the Muslim kid in your classroom. No, God, I'm going to Iraq. No, you're going across the room. But God, that's kind of weird. It'll get weirder in Iraq, bro. Because <laughs> listen, if you can't go across the hall, why would you go across the ocean? And so God might give you direction that you don't want to hear. God may say, hey, break up in that relationship. But God, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm still telling you to break up. But she loves you. Yeah, but that's not my plan for your life. And in those moments of devotional time, some of the reasons why we don't do it is because we know God will speak to us. And we don't want to hear it. We know God will speak to you. And you don't like what he might say. For some, in that time of devotion, you might experience what the Bible calls conviction. It's another fancy word that we talked about not too long ago. That conviction that says, I know this is wrong. And not just that God's telling me it's wrong. It's that sense of as you read his word, as the Holy Spirit begins to speak through you in that time of devotional, you get that sinking feeling of knowing, I can't keep doing this. I want to keep doing it. But I know it's wrong. I know it's not what God wants for me in my life. And because we're growing in our relationship, as we grow in our relationship, we start to realize there are some things that used to be okay for me that just aren't going to be okay for me anymore. And in that process of growing, that process of your devotional life, that's really where you grow. Why why are camps and and retreats and conventions so powerful? Because you did more than one day in a row. Imagine what would happen if you just did every day in a row. Imagine what would happen if every day you spent time alone with the Lord in your devotional walk. That's why our last thing is so important. Number four. Daniel taught us it's important to be consistent. When you read verse 10, it says he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God, just as he had always done, just as he had done before. Daniel was consistent. This wasn't the first time he prayed. He didn't just suddenly pray because they put a law that said he couldn't pray. They put a law that said he couldn't pray because he always prayed. That's why they set the law up in the first place. They were trying to catch him up in a situation. And so they realized, let's use his faithfulness against him. Some of us have to learn consistency. Because listen, just because you went to the gym once doesn't make you a bodybuilder. Right? Some of y'all, be, I ain't going to lie. Some of us, we eat half a salad. You're like, yeah, ah, nailed it. Felt healthier my entire life. I got this. Right? But it's consistency. It's not the one-time effort. Right? I ain't going to lie. There are times I look at my Fitbit and I'm like, yo, 10,000 steps. woo And I look at the tracker and it's like 10,000 steps in the last 45 days. I'm like, still 10,000, though. <laughs> I still did it. <laughs> but listen, it's not about one time. It's not about one Thursday a week. It's about consistency every single day of saying, Lord, every day I will talk to you. Every day I will spend time with you. Listen, consistency is what builds intimacy. Right? Again, use the analogy. Your best friend you talk to almost every day. In some way, shape or form, you communicate with your best friend almost every day. But guess what? Wait till you graduate high school. I'm going to give you my favorite thing. Wait till you graduate high school, right? You're at some public place. You see someone. You were super tight with them sophomore year. They were your best friend. They're walking towards you, and right away you're like, please don't say my name. Please don't say my name. Please don't say my name. Why? Because I haven't talked to them in years. And it's weird now. Some of you, prayer is weird because you haven't talked to God in years. Some of you reading the Bible is weird because you haven't read it in years. Some of you getting alone with God is weird because you haven't gotten alone with God in years. And listen, you could be super close at one point or another. I'm telling you, I got people that I was so tight with that I, I see them in person. I'm like, this is so awkward. <laughs> Why? Because so much time has passed since we've been close. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 2 says this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Can I tell you something? Devotional time isn't limited to the 30 minutes you do it in the morning either. Consistency says, day and night, I'm dwelling on this. Day and night. I'm meditating on it. That word meditate means you're just letting it marinate. Anybody ever had like some bomb steak that's been marinating for like a whole day? Like Anybody's parents got like a secret recipe that they be slapping on? And you're like, yo, it's all about the marinade. I got this mad mojo marinade that I do for Arrachera. So good. I mean, it's awesome. Secret recipe. We can't tell nobody about it. But here's the deal. The longer it marinates, the better the steak tastes. Because it gets all up inside of the steak. See, when you marinate it for five minutes, that flavor burns off like that as soon as it hits the grill. But when you marinate it for 24 hours, the steak gets tender, juicy. The flavor bubbles up with the fire. You smell it three blocks away. People come to your house like, excuse me, can we become friends? Because your aracheras looks good. Okay. People all around, what is your recipe? Can you tell me? And you're like, never. This is a family recipe. <laughs> What's the difference? Same ingredients, time was the difference. Time is the difference. You got to learn to take time consistently every day, marinating on the word. So when you read, About Daniel and his faithfulness. As you walk through your school, you're like, man, Daniel was faithful even when there was haters. There's some people in this school, they hate me for no reason. But I'm going to still be faithful. That's marinating on it. When people act like weird with you, like, you know what? I'm going to treat you the way Daniel treated you. I'm just going to keep doing me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be who I am. And you're going to hate me because you got nothing against me. And I can live with that. Because that's your sad life, not mine. Marinating on it. Right? That's when it seeps in to not just here, but it gets into here, your heart. When you let it marinate, the word goes from your head to your heart. Because you've dwelt on it 24 hours, 48 hours. And you're consistent with it. Not just Thursday night, but Friday morning and Friday afternoon and Saturday morning and Saturday night. And every day. A little bit more, a little bit more. I think it's interesting that he did breakfast, lunch, and dinner, basically. How many of y'all have to have three meals a day, minimum? Maximum, you're like six, eight, ten times a day. Anybody know anyone in their family that when they skip a meal, you could tell? Like when they haven't eaten, it's just like, yo, don't even, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? They ain't eating. Oh, snap. (laughs) Right? I kid you not, I carry snacks with me. I carry snacks in my bag because there are seasons, there are moments. Now that the wife is pregnant, it gets crazier. I got cherries in my book bag right now. Because when C starts getting, I'm like, oh, oh, it's Cece and the baby. They're going crazy. Here's a cherry, run away. (laughs) Right? Why? Because her body is yearning for it. Guess what? When you spiritually are messed up, it's because your body is yearning for more of God's presence. Some of us, some of you are like, man, I'm doing good. I do my devotionals every day. Yeah, you only do it once. Let's step it up a notch. Nobody nobody made a rule that it had to be once a day. (laughs) Nobody made a rule that you had to buy a devotional book and read somebody else's one verse. Which, by the way, be careful on that stuff. Because some of y'all think just because you set it up on your Bible app that you get the verse of the day, that that's your devotional thing. That's a fortune cookie, okay? Go beyond that. Okay, because I can throw fortune cookies at your house. Go beyond that. And listen, I I can get a, this whole sermon is on one verse. I'm not saying anything against one verse. But some of us, we limit it to just reading the verse for two minutes and going, did my devotions. No, you didn't. You read a verse. That's all you did. You didn't devote any time to God. You devoted two minutes to a verse you got on a pop-up notification. (laughs) But when you can learn to be consistent and say, listen, I yearn for more of God's word. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't have time. Take lunch time. I'm hanging out with my friends. Hang out with the Lord. Do it once a week at least. Take time to fast. Take time to pray. Take time to get deeper into it, and watch what God will do in your life. If I can get the keys up real quick, I want to finish the story of Daniel and the lions. Then, so Daniel decides he's going to keep praying. And that's exactly what the haters wanted him to do. Right away they go to the king and they say, yo, Daniel broke your law. Now mind you, the king loves Daniel. The king's trying to figure out a way so that he doesn't have to execute Daniel. But it was tight. They held it against him. They said there's no way out of it. You have to throw him into the lion's den. And so the Bible tells us that Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and there's a stone cross. And right before he throws him in, the king's like, man, I hope your God can save you. And they put a stone right on the the opening so that he couldn't escape. And then the next morning, the Bible tells us actually that all night the king couldn't sleep. He was tossing and turning, worrying about his friend. The next morning he ran out. They unrolled the stone so he could check on Daniel. And he yells out, Daniel, bro, are you there? (laughs) And Daniel's like, right here, king. An angel shut the mouths of the lions. I'm good, bro. The Bible says that when they pulled Daniel out, there wasn't a mark on his body. Now, the Bible is not explicit on this. But my guess is that it wasn't God answering Daniel's prayer in the den. It was God answering Daniel's prayer in his upstairs room. Because if you read the story a little bit later, the haters... Because of their accusations against Daniel, they get thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible tells us that they didn't even hit the ground before the lions jumped up and ripped their bodies apart. Daniel probably didn't have time to pray if that was the only time he was going to get alone with God. But it was a consistent, regular relationship with the Lord that shut the mouths of the lion when he got into trouble. What am I saying? Some of us, we only get alone with God. We only cry out to God. We only open our Bibles when we find ourselves in the lion's den. When we find ourselves in difficult situations. Where we find ourselves scared and afraid and wondering if God's going to come through. And what I'm telling you is, if you can learn to have consistent, regular devotional time of life. I'm not telling you you're not going to go in the lion's den. Because obviously Daniel did. Daniel ended up going into that situation. But he was prepared for that situation. And I bet you in his heart he didn't realize that the lines were going to be shut. He thought, whatever, if I die, I die. But he probably remembered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His three friends who stood for God and were thrown into a fiery furnace. And the Bible says that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. He probably remembered that God is faithful to his people. To those that are called according to his purpose. He probably knew who God was. And knew what God was capable of. Because the first time he talked to God wasn't in the lion's den. He had had a consistent relationship with God every single day of his life. Young people, I'm telling you, you can be prepared for those moments where God's going to throw you in a den. You can be prepared for those moments where life is going to seemingly get the best of you. When you learn to be prepared today. When you realize... Today I prepare for my den tomorrow. Today I get ready for what's on the other side. In a few weeks, my favorite sports season is kicking off, football season. Do you think that all the players just get together the morning of the first game, and they're like, all right, everybody ready to play? (laughs) Hope you guys practiced all season. No, they go through off-season, training camp, rookie camp, veterans camp. Preseason, four games, just to prepare for the regular season, let alone the playoffs. All I'm saying is, now is your time to prepare. Now is your time to train and develop for the day when you're put in a situation that seems difficult for everybody else, it seems routine for you because you have prepared for it. Does that make sense? I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. Now listen to me, there's no, I'm not going to do any big altar thing. There's no fancy thing on this. This is one of those types of messages that my prayer is it's settled on your heart. No one's going to know really if you do your devotional time or not. I mean, unless you have an accountability partner that you talk to on a regular basis that holds you in check with that. Really, this is between you and God. And listen, I'm not going to kick you out because you don't do a devotional life. Truth is, you might walk away eventually yourself because of a lack of that. What I am saying is, young person, this year, I want to challenge you. Make a commitment to get alone with the presence of God. Make a commitment to pray, to read your word. Set a time apart. Make an appointment with the Lord and keep that appointment. Position yourself to receive everything God has for you. Even the things you don't want to hear. Position yourself in such a way that says, God, you are the authority, not me. Be willing to do everything God called you to do. Because you spend enough time with him on a regular basis that you trust him when he calls you to do it. And understand, this is for your benefit, not mine. This is for your spiritual growth. Almost all of you in this room have said yes to a relationship with Christ. My question is, how's that relationship going? And if it's anything but great, I would submit a big part of that is the lack of a devotional life. So I'm going to pray. And listen, we're going to have small groups starting next week. Small group leaders, help me to push this throughout the season, help me to hold them accountable. Students, help me to hold the leaders accountable. Go up to a leader and say, hey, what are you reading? How are you handling it? Hey, let's keep each other accountable with this. You tell me what you read today and I'll tell you what I read. Some of your leaders love the fact that you don't do it because they don't do it. If we can be transparent. And they don't have to be accountable because you don't hold them accountable. I say put their feet to the fire. Be a better leader. Because I want to grow. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Or just like Daniel, we find ourselves in the season of Babylon, Lord, surrounded by people who don't want to follow you, don't want to live like you, and have asked us to live like them, but Father, I pray, I pray for the desire to get alone with you, God, Lord, I pray that there will be such a hunger for your presence, such an insatiable appetite for your presence, that we will do whatever it takes to get alone with you, God that we will set apart time set apart appointments that we would be strict with those that we would not have anyone to interfere with our time alone with you God that we would posture ourselves in a position that puts you in authority God that gives you the final say that allows you to speak to our heart and teach us and guide us and lead us into all truths God Lord help us to be consistent Lord To not just go two, three days and pat ourselves in the back and pretend like everything's great. Lord, I pray, beginning with me, from the oldest to the youngest in this room, may we be consistent in our devotional time with you. Lord, help those of us in this room who have been Christians so long that we think we know it all, God. Forgive our pride in assuming that because we grew up in church that we've heard all the stories. But God, I pray that we would have a hunger to know you better, a hunger to know you more, a hunger to grow beyond where we've been, God. Lord, I, I know that you have great things planned this upcoming year. I've sensed it in my heart, God. I've seen you begin to move in that area. But, Father, all those plans are nothing if we're not prepared to receive it with our own personal walks. So help us, Jesus. Help us to be so full of the Spirit that we can lead others into your presence as well. So we thank you, God, for your word, for its transformative power. And we thank you that we can go to you every day. There's no time limit. There's no restrictions. We can do it all as often as we want. Help us to want it more than we've ever wanted it. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Come on. God bless you guys. I love you. Listen. If you have any questions about how to do a devotional, talk to one of the leaders tonight. They'll be more than happy to walk you through soap method or some other forms that they do personally. Please, if you need a Bible, talk to somebody. If you need to learn how to journal, we're going to help you, and small groups is the best way to do that. So make sure you're here next week as we plug in.